Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 1-0 win at home at Villa Park against Crystal Palace. This is the second attempt at the intro, the first time I said Everton for some reason. So that shows to see where my brain has been as of late watching other football games on this lovely Sunday. But of course, it's not just me. I'm joined by Mr. Consistent Tom Nightingale as well, second in a row after a string of uh, lone appearances, I will say, to keep it sporting. But regardless of that, Tom, how are you? Yeah, back again. Uh, yeah, very good. Well, just in, just had the uh, very enjoyable Sunday early afternoon of watching Liverpool seven, Man United nil, which is uh, I think everyone will agree, apart from Man United fans. That's a nice spirit raiser. Uh, seeing Bruno Fernandez is extremely irritating little face. Um, yeah, hook it to my veins, man. <laughs> I love seeing Bruno Fernandez miserable. Um, as I think most Villa fans do. So, yeah. And then obviously, back to back wins. It's hard not to be too, uh, it's hard n- not to be pleased, really. I know that there's been some stuff about the performance maybe not being uh, quite as convincing as it could have been at home to Palace, um, particularly when they went down to 10 men. But wins a win. Absolutely, of course. And it like, it, it's a little tricky. Like, I can get a little bit of the negativity in terms of it's, not the most impressive one nail and we'll get on to this probably in a few minutes but at the end of the day it's a clean sheet that's what Unai Emery wanted more than anything it's a win at home it can build some momentum and at this point at least in my opinion it's a factor of the fans just getting behind the process the more we can make Villa Park a fortress the better things will be the more positivity the less issues there'll probably be as well and I think Matty Cash even said that in a post-match presser as well kind of saying how uh, advantageous it could be if Villa Park can really get behind the players themselves. But regardless of that, getting into the game itself, of course, it was a Crystal Palace own goal from Anderson in the 27th minute from a brilliant McGinn through ball to Matty Cash, which was an all right low cross. You'd have to say Ollie Watkins definitely didn't make the best run trying to get in behind his man and probably arguably should have been running in front of him. But regardless of that, a hell of an own goal, uh, to say the least, really clinical when it matters most um, <laughs> and all humorous. And then um, I, I guess for Crystal Palace, the one kind of thing on their score sheet was a, a red card from Decore, who should have been sent off way earlier than the 60 se- uh, 62nd minute, I should say. But uh, we'll get on to the Bubakar Kamara injury concerns. Uh, there hasn't been too much as of recording on Sunday. I'm sure after recording and uploading this early on Monday, there'll be something coming out that'll make this slightly outdated. So we'll just kind of tippy-toe around the subject and make it more of a broader conversation. But Tom, we've kind of briefly even said our initial thoughts on the win. But again, like I said at the start, it's a clean sheet. Unai Emery would be more than pleased. And again, it leaves us dead in the midst of mid-table. It does make a little bit of a buffer below us. I think what Palace are below us on four points now on 27, or I'm sorry, more than four, seven points. I don't know where, where I'm looking at lately, but seven points, same amount of games, 25. They're on 27, we're on 34. Um, and it pulls us even further away from the absolute jungle, a gong show, whatever you want to call it, below us um, for the final uh, few places to remain in the Premier League. So that's one important thing. But the other thing is we're actually able to look up a little bit. And I know Europe is probably not on the cards, but it does give us a little bit more positivity, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I mean, it's uh, there's nothing wrong with looking up. You know what I mean? It's good to be in a position where... For what feels like the first time in a while, really, I suppose we had that. I suppose we had that sort of final flourish, didn't we, in that season under under Dean Smith when we finished eleventh, 
um, thanks to a couple of late, you know, season ending wins during the COVID season. But I mean, apart from that, really, if we're being brutally honest about it, we haven't, Villa haven't been in a position where we have been able to look up. Um, certainly not with anything other than desperation <laughs> looking up at uh, the, the, what used to be the dizzying heights of 15th and 16th. Um, so it's nice to even be sort of in the conversation for as a team who could potentially make uh, like a late charge towards the, towards the European spots. But I'm just sort of happy, really. We've got the sounds like sounds like a weird thing to say, but I'm happy because we've got the boredom back. It's we said, I think last year or whatever, probably even earlier this season, to be to be honest, under Gerard, but I sort of blanked that out. Um, I do. I've said for a while, I'd do anything for Villa to be a boring team again, really. Um, to not have to look over your shoulder. Okay, you can look up with hope that you might be able to climb up, but even if we can't, like we're in a hugely transitional season. Um, and so to be putting together this kind of form, like I know notwithstanding the three, the three game run where we were conceding all sorts of goals, Leicester and Arsenal and City in whatever order it was. Um, thankfully though, that's that 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 period of games seems to have been the exception or the blip rather than indicative of where we actually are as a team and in, in transition at the moment um i think this weekend's game actually it wasn't super exciting like we said um and okay maybe you'd hope to see villa like dominate a team with 10 men we always seem to struggle doing that don't we um but maybe you'd like to see a team struggling with 10 men um see us dominate them but all in all i thought it was pretty decent um really and i thought it was a good example of how far villa have come in just a few short months under Emery um, because I don't I didn't really ever feel like I don't know about you Cole but I didn't really ever feel like we were in danger of failing to win that game once we'd taken the lead I didn't think Palace really threatened us at all I know Zaha's always a bit of a live wire and somebody got to keep a close eye on but it was nice to be watching Villa again and be be very be very confident that this is a lead we're going to hold on to and this is a win we're going to see out yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of look at his stats, and you're right, Tom, of course, I mean, possession-wise, we had the better um, just of it, really, 58 to Palace's 42, which is important to keep in mind. I know, especially under Gerard, where he thought we were going to become this ultimate possession-based team and score loads of goals. And um, under him, it was, well, we only had success when we had less possession and really played on the counter. But this is showing that I don't want to call it slow and methodical, but more well thought out, moving the ball around, taking your time and making smarter decisions. It does pay off and it doesn't have to be really brilliant essentially to get a win. And I think that's the nicest part, but to kind of continue with these stats, we had um, eight shots, one on target. They had three shots, zero on target. According to BBC stats, we had two corners to their four. They had 17 fouls. We had 14. So um, I, I guess in the, the latter of those stats, they're a little bit closer. But like you said, and it, it's kind of funny when you think about it, but maybe it's because I'm going to compare this to um, Villa under Dean Smith in the, the behind closed door season. Because when you sit back and look at that and you look at the string results, of course, we beat what Wolves 1-0 with a penalty in the last minute. There was a string of one nils, two nils, two ones, whatever, really close games where evidently not a lot was really going on. So whether we were just happy to be watching games because we're all stuck at home and we just didn't mind it or what, I don't know why it's flipped. The fact that we have a, a boring one nil, we keep a clean sheet, the goal differential goes up plus one, we have plus three points. Um, you see players like we'll get onto it in a bit, John McGinn having another stellar game. It, it, it's all positives. Of course, I would love to see Villa win every match 3-0, have two worldies in every game, but not even the best sides get that. And at the end of the day, a, a win's a win. And I don't know, it, it's almost like when we look at the table, I think every time we get a win, some fans almost feel like, okay, we have to move up a spot. But it, it's not how it works. Now, again, if we get a few more on the balance here, then things will probably start to change, but it's about getting that consistency. And for me, it's at least about getting that record to be 500 and then you build on from there. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I think that had, had Ollie Watkins scored that chance that he should have scored um, in the game, I don't even think this would be a conversation. I think we'd all be sort of like, 
buzzing about another two, you know, two nil win. Um, there wouldn't be this conversation about uh, us not being as impressive as we could have been or anything like that. And I, I mean, I know that's, I guess that's kind of obvious and that's playing what ifs, but that's the only thing for me, honestly. If Watkins has scored that chance, make it six in a row, that's honestly the the only thing I really felt was missing from the performance. Like, okay, we could have been, obviously we'd all like Villa to thrill all the time. And like you said, to your point, we'd like it to win every game 3-0. We'd like every time we win to leapfrog a team. Um, but sometimes that just can't be the case, but like we're, we're splitting hairs. Like It's like Villa fans trying to find, I think it's easy to get sucked in sometimes to feel like you have to nitpick and you have to find things yeah. wrong with a win. Um, but I, I sort of don't see the need to do that at the moment and it's because you know we were talking when we had uh when we had frankie from all villa no filler on last time we were on last week um we were talking about how with virtually every game that passes there's tangible progress and we're clearly a, a much improved team now than we were three months ago six months ago um you can see it in the way that we play the most pleasing thing for me what i really don't understand is the criticism of um I can understand the argument that we're a bit boring, maybe. But again, as we've said, I'm fi- I'm absolutely fine with that, to be honest. I prefer boring to the nail-biting um, experience of a relegation battle all day long. Um, but what I didn't agree with is I saw a lot of people sort of saying we, we were playing a bit ugly and it wasn't pretty and that sort of stuff. I actually don't agree at all. I thought we, we took the ball from back to front so many times so well, including for the goal. Second, second game in a row where we've scored from taking the ball out, playing out from the back and taking it down the other end. Um, and it wasn't even just the goal. There were so many neat passages of play where you can see that Unai ball, as we like to call it, is really, really developing already, which is fantastic to see as a Villa fan so early into what we hope is obviously a long um, era under Unai Emery. Um, this is the kind of football that I, if you'd have asked me six months ago, I would have told you I don't think Villa are capable of playing that kind of way. And it just shows what a very experienced and high quality management and coaching can do, but also what you can do when you have a manager who makes makes all of the players sort of, all of the players go all in on him and his system. Do you know what I mean? And that's what I really feel like Villa have now under Emery. And so it's just got me back into a situation really honestly, where I'm, genuinely obviously we all watch villa every week um whether through enjoyment or compulsion or obsession we all watch villa every week but i'm back in a state now where every week i am genuinely excited to watch villa play football again yeah no 100 like i'm just kind of looking at the crystal palace results from basically the new year and really aside from um, I think it was when they played Spurs, they lost 4-0 on January 4th. Um, basically, if we want to say start from January 15th, all their games are tight. Like a 1-0 loss to Chelsea, draw against uh, United 1-all, 0-0 against Newcastle, lost 2-1 against United, 1-all against Brighton, 1-all against Brentford, um, stalemate 0-0 uh, against Liverpool, obviously 1-0 loss against us. They've kind of shifted and um john who seb spoke to on our preview podcast the crystal palace fan from the eagles beak website um he's even kind of acknowledged that they've switched from being more attacking focused because of their goal scoring issues initially to be more of a solid side and you can see those in that result keep in mind we lose or draw this game well if we lose it they're what only a few points behind us that puts more pressure on us and we're kind of awkwardly in the middle. Now you look at it with a little bit more comfort and hindsight, and you are right about that Watkins one. Yes, he should have scored. He should have done better. Would have loved if he could have tied um, that Andy Gray stat that um, has been going around all week, um, all in all. But as soon as he missed that, I felt like it just wasn't going to happen. But regardless of that, I think a lot of people can put criticism unjustifiably in the build-up play and you see things on twitter too where um well we'd be from the person but the people sitting around them essentially saying oh just hoof it up move it why is this so slow yada 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 it'll be a 60 some year old man from the local area basically that's probably never even had a chance to play 
um, trying to give them advice, which is in any sport, of course. But regardless of that, if you watch the highlights back that Villa put on their social media of the buildup, that's exactly how Unai Emery wants us to play. Why do we need to run and gun it automatically with one touch up the pitch? How many teams honestly score from doing that? How often does that happen? We've tried that before and it didn't work. People moaned at Tyrone Mings for doing it consistently. And now that he's not doing, people are moaning at him not doing it. So at the end of the day, no one's always going to have 100% of the people behind them, unfortunately. But it was, yes, you could kind of determine it as slow and methodical, I guess. But it's also wise and well-timed. And that goal does not happen if John McGinn does not play that pass. That ball doesn't even get to John McGinn if we don't switch it across the field midway through that move. Um, it's all well thought out and you could tell Crystal Palace had no clue it was even coming and they couldn't handle it. So yes, we would like to see more of it. It did happen from time to time and it didn't come off, but at the end of the day, it forced their defender into an awkward situation. We defended well. Um, Martinez gets another clean sheet and we walk away happy. It's it's on the goal. Like it's one of those weird things where it's not often you say like about an own goal that your team benefits from that it was, it was a, a heck really, of an own goal. That though. it was a really good goal, <laughs> but it was a really, it was a really good goal. Like the built everything. It is a shame that it was an own goal and it didn't get past Anderson and to Watkins at the back post. Um, because if we sort of scored that and our name was on that goal, so to speak. I think we'd be hailing that as one of the better goals we've scored so far under Emery. And like to your point again about the playing style, um, slow and methodical is right. And it's I think the key thing is it's about control, right? Yeah. Too many years now have gone by. Even under Smith, it was a lot like this because Smith's football a lot of the time is quite sort of, um, what's the word? Hectic, I guess. And um, quite high intensity with the pressing, particularly when we had you know we had Jack on the wing. Um, whereas now we are slower, s- slower, slow building. But what that does is it allows you to sort of kind of suffocate the life out of a game, you know, which is what I felt we did. It's like I understand that we didn't get the second goal, and it's a shame because you want to kill a second goal would have killed the game off without question. So I get there's always that nagging doubt because we are Villa fans after all. We've seen it happen so many times. Um, but to the point I made earlier about I never felt like we were in danger of giving up that lead, really. I never felt like Palace really threatened us. And the main reason for that is the way we play. We sort of We sort of strangled them with possession. And even when we lose the ball by trying something trying to beat a man or trying to trying to longer pass or whatever you know trying to trying to work the gaps to play through the defense even when we lose it these days i feel like we retain the ball pretty quickly um and it's all these things that come from like i said having a team who's fully invested in the manager and the coaching staff and the more time we spend on this the better like look at the results we're getting already from playing out from the back and that's after well, you can't even count before the World Cup and the World Cup because he came in and then we went on that massive break. And a lot, you know, I suppose most of the players were there but in training. But um, so I'd say even, you know, basically since mid-December, so what, two and a half months, um, and we're already seeing these results. Like imagine where we can be by the end of this season. Imagine where we can be by the midway point of next season. And it's this difficulty with fans which I understand of that patience but I don't think having the patience should be that difficult this time around because you can literally already see the result the positive results in front of our eyes um and so it's just great you know it's just great to see really and it makes me feel like we can obviously every game is different every opponent is different but it's really got me feeling like despite it feels like a long time ago that we lost three games in a row and shipped a bunch of goals and I do think a lot of that part of that was playing Arsenal and City, don't forget, we were not, we were so, so, so close to drawing, if not winning, because of that Leon Bailey shot. I think they hit the bar against Arsenal. That was a real anomaly of a game, like the way that game ended. Um, City a City, you know. Um, and then the Leicester game was the real sort of um, outlier, wasn't it? But I think a lot of those problems in this Leicester game came from trying to play out from the back, right? The goals we conceded. And so those mistakes will happen. But we're at a point, I think, where you've got to just, when those mistakes do happen, you've got to just grin and bear them, really, because the the potential reward and even the rewards that we're already seeing, um, in my opinion, at least, are worth it. 
Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean, the other thing that we have to keep in mind too, and I, I like how um, Villa especially reacted and Unai Emery set them up to react this way too. Of course, we could have been 1-0 behind, of course. Wilfred Zaha's goal in the fifth minute was called off for being offside. And it's definitely one of those, Tom, where you sit back and think, if that was from a Villa perspective, I'd be very annoyed. But all in all, it's marginally offside. It's going to be questioned and it is what it is. But I think so many times in the past, even after something like that's happened and we've kind of all kind of had a sigh of relief, we've almost caved in instantly to give them that continued momentum and whether something like another goal that actually stands happens or they dominate possession for most of that half and we have a poor half that's happened too many times, even when something like that's happened. I just like the general reaction. I'm not going to say we completely controlled the game, but there was never really time after that where I thought, oh, we are massively under threat here and we can't really hold our own weight. It was pretty comfortable. So you really can't be too complained or too complained, too upset, I guess is is the, the right phrase. I can't speak English today, apparently. But um, to kind of move on from that, let's kind of go into the injury concern route. And we do have some questions that will tie in here, but um, let's talk about Bukar Kamara. Um I did ask for some thoughts on Twitter, of course. And with that being said, some people brought up some of their thoughts and concerns and stuff like that. Two of them were in regards to Kamara himself. Um, So at Andy underscore Mays just kind of asked uh, with Kamara going down, uh, he he feels like yesterday um, was a loss in a sense. And of course, that being more so probably in the midfield than the actual result. Um, and uh, Simon Palmer kind of had the same thoughts as well, saying, let's hope Kamara is back soon. Pleased with the result onwards and upwards. So uh, a little bit of concern. I think there's a little bit of doubt there, and I can understand a little bit of negativity creeping in when something like that happens with the midfield maestro that we've been waiting on for so damn long, and now it feels like we have him in top form, and now it seems like it could be a few weeks, a month, or whatever. So what are your thoughts on the injury as it stands? I mean, yeah, you've got to make no bones about it, really, that it's like it it's going to suck if it's a, a medium or long-term thing. It really is. Because I see him as pretty... Um, it's not that I think that if you take Bubakar Kamara out of our team, we automatically stop winning games and start losing them. It's not necessarily that strong. But I do see him as one of the players who is pretty integral to the this way that we're trying to play under Emery. Because um, he's got the... He's got the... Um, defensive diligence to sort of be the the anchor in our midfield but he's so good on the ball as well right like it's, uh, it's so good to have a central midfielder like him who is so good on the ball and i think it's uh, he he's a real key component of the way that we play at the moment so yeah i mean it's going to it's not going to be pleasant at all if he's injured like long term and it will it definitely took the sheen off the wind didn't it and it's the fact we you and i talked about this before we started recording but how Ducore was allowed to stay on the pitch for so long is beyond me. Like it's, it was like, it's like a one man wrecking ball, wasn't it? Um, and that challenge isn't really nasty. I watched it back this morning, actually um, really nasty. And frankly, I think if, if Kamara gets away with only being out for two or three weeks, um, we'd have to, um, I guess what's the word we'd have to uh, be thankful for that. Cause I think that, the way that he went into that challenge and that for, from the still, the close-up stills you've seen in the challenge, like could easily, I'm not saying I think that Kamara will be out for months. Um, Cause he, he seemed, it seemed to be really troubling him, but I'm hoping, I'm really hoping it's like an impact pain and, you know, that sort of thing, like a nasty one sore for sore for two or three weeks, but it's the kind of challenge that could easily result in like a month's long layoff. Um, and if that happened, it would feel a bit typical Villa, wouldn't it? To your point about Kamara having been injured earlier in the season and then come back, he's playing so well, core part of our team, like to lose him would be a huge, huge blow. Um, like you said at the start, I expect classic, in classic Holtcast fashion, I expect that by the time this comes out, um, there'll be an update. Um, so I'll be fingers crossed, fingers crossed overnight that um, whatever news comes back. It doesn't even have to be perfect news like he's fine he'll be playing in the next game but as long as the, the as long as the absence is weeks rather than months um i think we've just got to 
take that on the chin, really. Well, in regards to Decore too, and as Miley Cyrus once said, he came in like a wrecking ball. He certainly did. Um, I had to put that in there. I've been thinking about that for the last minute. So um, I hope everyone appreciates that. I don't know. At least I find that funny. Um, but no, it's the fact that he was even on the pitch that long. I mean, you could give it, uh, probably at least five other examples prior to where he probably should have been cautioned with a yellow and from there have been sent off. Um, so Such a risky challenge to make and it really wasn't needed. Um, and hopefully Kamara comes back fine within the next couple weeks or so. And I don't know. I don't know if you saw anything in regards to Dendonk or Tom. Is there any, was there any updates on why he was missing out? Do you know? I do not know, but it was a nice reminder when he, when uh, Emery's injury update came up on Twitter. It was a nice reminder to me that Leander Dendonka does still exist, technically. <laughs> I'd, sort well, forgot, I'd sort of forgotten about him, to be honest, until that injury update came out. Um, so, I mean, we have, you know, we have like options if Kamara is injured, but I think it's pretty um, clear and fair to say that we do not have options of the same caliber. Um, he's pretty high on the list of players I would not want Villa to be without for a long period of time. Emi Martinez, number one, probably. Ollie Watkins. Um, and then Bubakar Kamara, probably, at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed it's all right. But it's did take the shine off the win a little bit, didn't it, really? Yeah, and I think that's the thing. And it'll have to be probably um, some... I would say small but tweaks, but Kamara just offers so many different uh, facets to his game, really, that you have to sit back and think, what do you replace him with? And, of course, you'd have to say it would be Dindonker once he's uh, fully fit and firing. Um, but even with that, then that probably puts more pressure on Dougie Louise to kind of be the ball mover and to make an even greater impact. And I didn't really think he had the greatest game yesterday in particular. There was a positive stat that I saw Villa put out, though. But um, regardless of that, I thought he wasn't the tidiest on the ball, and that will definitely need to improve with Kamara out. So that'll be interesting to see. One thing I hopefully hope they don't do, and I think you'd agree, Tom, is kind of shoehorn McGinn into that kind of role next to him. um, Because, I mean, that man, and we'll talk about him now. I want to talk about him anyways, but he has been absolutely fantastic going forward in that further advanced role, hasn't he? He has, yeah. I mean, it's, we talked about it last week. I feel like every every game that I watch now, um, McGinn is more the player that we know he can be, or at least that we that we hoped he could get back to. Um, for me now, McGinn is playing. I remember the way that McGinn used to. I thought McGinn used to be absolutely dominant for us in the championship in the promotion season. Um, obviously, a lower level. I feel like he's he's that dominant at the moment for us. Last few games, again, I thought he was fantastic. I mean, it's his pass, wasn't it, for the for the goal? Um, that great defense splitting through ball for Matty Cash down the right. Um, so he's playing. He's contributing on. He's contributing, you know, offensively. Um, but he's taking the game. He's taking games by the scruff of the neck again. Like we know he can. It's his, it, honestly for me that's John McGinn's best quality when he's in form. Is um the way with the way with which he takes charge and takes control on and off the ball in that midfield um i'm seeing that every week at the moment it's fantastic i don't know what i don't know what unai's feeding him but long may it continue 100% and and there was a a passage of play too i can't i think i want to say it was in the first half um where i can't remember if we someone got dispossessed and then he uh, got the ball back and ran down the line and kept it in and got by two players who eventually knocked it out and we got the throw in. I don't know if anyone recalls that passage of play, but just at the moment, he's so difficult to get the ball from. He just uses a space around him so well, of course, setting up cash to run down the line to um, create that goal was great to see and another confidence booster. And I think a lot of people, especially with McGinn kind of say, well, if he can add a few more goals and assists, it'd be great. To be honest, I don't care if he adds any, if he's the secondary assist and sets everything up to make it nice and easy to me, that's just as big as scoring or getting the primary assist. But how do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, it'd be like talking earlier about like, you know, things were perfect. Villa had been every game three nil or whatever. Like if things were perfect. McGinn would um, contribute final product. A bit more because there was another there was another one 
um, this weekend against Palace where he's in a very good position and he just doesn't quite have the composure. I can't remember exactly what happened. Did he try and maybe he tried tried to head something again that he should have should have swung the left foot out? I can't remember. But there was I remember thinking there was something um where in an ideal world your midfielder would score or at least get a shot on target from that situation. But again, like I'm nitpicking. I'd like how can you how I don't know how anyone can level any criticism at begin at the moment, really. Um because I think it's been fantastic. Um, I will come back to this, I, I, I guess, but get out in front of it. He's prob, I think he's probably my man of the match. Um, I think I get, I think I gave it to him last week as well. Um, I feel like he is just being a real engine. And so, to your point, like I think part of that part of the thing that's allowed him to do that, as well as he's clearly been motivated by Emery and that our high quality coaching staff get, are getting the best out of him. But I think, I think a huge factor in it is Kamara. Like having Kamara behind him um, means he can uh, throw the shackles off a little bit and really, uh, uh, you know, uh, play with the level of intensity. I guess that I think he's best at. So it 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 will be a real shame if Kamara is out. It'd be a shame for many reasons, obviously, but one of them will be that I would I would expect it to limit McGinn's game a bit more whether by design or just by circumstance. Because um, you, you have to imagine that McGinn might be charged with doing a bit more of the defensive stuff again. And, you know, so uh, it, it'll be, I was going to say it'll be interesting to see, but I mean, I hope we don't have to see it. So. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Like, and like we've kind of both mentioned, this probably as soon as this goes out, there'll be an update probably like shortly after. Of course, this goes out like first thing in the morning for people in the UK and across the world. So maybe not. So, so if you were kind of listen, I don't know, for the first few hours, maybe, but I'm sure after that, there'll be something because when isn't there something on a Monday that'll absolutely ruin half of our content. But um Regardless of that, we might as well skip over to the uh, match balls. Of course, you said John McGinn for yours. I'm going to say the same. I mean, I, to be honest, I don't really know who you give it to. I saw some people give it to Matty Cash for um, the assist that, and jokingly online, he claimed as his goal. I guess fair enough. He had a, a good game, and it's nice to see him kind of have his spot back and to make it his own again and have an impact. But McGinn's just been the greatest impact. And I, again, I was thinking, Tom, like realistically he's been the best bargain purchase villa have made for as long as i can remember like i know some people will look at benteke and his contributions and of course we didn't pay a crazy amount for him and we sold them for a, a decent fee all in all but i mean what two and a half million turning into a player that's been here for what five was it five plus seasons now i, I can't even remember how long it's been it's it's like he's been here so long and he slots in so seamlessly. And of course we kind of at certain stages wishes or wish that he would have kind of peaked a little bit even more to a higher standard. But again, he's just been Mr. Consistent overall. And I mean, when he kind of hangs up his boots or leaves Villa at some point, I think we'll all kind of miss that and have to acknowledge that at some point, but um Let's go over to the three word reviews. And Tom, I know you put one in, but I'm going to ask for another one. So don't cheat because I, I know um, what you've already put in. So I want a little bit more creativity there. Of course, you can tweet us at 7500 to hold post match. It usually goes out around five or so minutes 
after the final whistle. Um, so I'll read out as many as I can right now. So let's go um, with uh, Mark Guest saying last on um, match of the day. He just put MOTD, so I'll, I'll give him that one. Uh, Spencer says Juan Pablo Angel. Uh, Christo Massing level with Chelsea. Um Anthony McGuffey saying slow but effective. Uh, Teres Bien saying ignore the crowd. Uh, Martin Crispin hoof free football. Uh, let's go to Zwitter saying get in Villa. Macavilla three more points. Uh, Villa Hawk that was easy. Um, let's scroll down here. There's around 40 of them. Um, let's go to John Atkins saying win again. Great um debito saying clean sheet win let's do uh two more here uh holt ender for life saying three effing points and let's finish with uh joe martini saying i'm back um quoting as saying mcginn so i'm back mcginn basically quoting um when michael jordan said i'm back um all those years ago if you're an nba fan so i thought that was a a pretty good way to end it if you don't have any recollection of that then sorry but uh anyways thank you to everyone that contributes it's always a good read it's always a good laugh to see some of the creativity there's always a few that take it a little little bit over the top with some swearing and some cussing and a little bit of inappropriate nature so i don't always like those ones but just to let you know i do see them um so i I don't want to think that i have forgotten about you as well but uh tom i'm gonna throw you under the the hot seat now i want your three word review that isn't the one you already contributed yesterday on twitter i think as you're making me think of a second one i'll just keep it simple uh job done next because it's another win you know it's um like i said we've learned we've learned how to win again we've learned how to shut out get shut out games um and you know, I felt we managed the. I actually felt we managed the second half and the end of the game pretty well. Like I saw a fair bit of criticism about it, but I all we didn't. Second goal would have been nice, but like like we've said, I never felt in any danger of giving up the lead. Um, and that's down to game management mostly, the controlling style of play, you know, um, and the mentality. I think I think one of my big hopes is that we've sort of fix that mentality piece that I think Villa have had for a while where no lead is safe. You know, I've sort of felt that a lot um, over recent years. And obviously there are going to be times where you're going to give up leads. Um, We did it, didn't we? Uh, Did we do it in the Arsenal game twice or once? I believe so. (laughs) Um, So that's going to happen, particularly against very good teams. Um, But we've definitely learned how to win again. And... I genuinely think it's just we've got a coach, we've got a manager, and we've got coaching staff who have a, an actual winning mentality, not the kind that Steven Gerrard purported to have. Um, we learned under Gerrard, didn't we, that um, being a winner as a player does not make you a winner as a manager. Um, Unai Emery is a winner as a manager, and I genuinely think it's rubbing off on us already. 100%. I, I still can't believe that he was linked with the Poland national team job. I thought, how have you gone from coaching Villa to coaching Robert Lewandowski. Um, don't know how that would have correlated, but uh, there also was a three-word review in regards to Gerard. I'll have to see if I can find it and not forget to mention it before we end this. But um, I think if uh, Gerard had become Poland manager, I think we'd, Matty Cash would suddenly be English again, wouldn't he? Be out that, <laughs> be out that door. <laughs> I think he would turn Irish or something, just uh, so he's not the same nationality as him as well. But um, I will go with Lord Unai Emery. That's probably an easy cop-out to say. I I put out a tweet on the 7,500 hold account yesterday, um, and someone mentioned saying Lord Unai Emery, blah, 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 with the rest of the tweet, tweet, I should say. Um, Really struggling to speak today. Maybe it's just Sunday, and that's how I'm feeling it. But uh, like you said, and you, you said it months ago, Tom, when Emery came in, just give him the keys, let him do his job. And I mean... It's amazing that I don't even have to look at the table and you mentioned this as well as often as I felt like I used to have to, to kind of play myself into gaining some confidence under Gerard. Now it's just kind of carefree, trust in the process and see what happens. And I mean, for someone who became a Villa fan 
around the McLeish Lambert era. It, it's very, it's very weird, but very, very nice to see. And long may this continue. Um, there was one more tweet that came in um, in regards to basically asking people for their thoughts and stuff that I wanted to finish this podcast on. And it was the last one that came in and I thought it was kind of a good way to end it. So we'll end it with this one. It's from um, at Tommy Daly 2 um, he basically just asked, are we just he- treading water now, given the rest of the season? Not really looking behind us, but are we able to look ahead of us and push for Europe? And I know we kind of briefly mentioned this at the start. We didn't really talk about it, but Tom, really on that tweet, your thoughts more so than anything. But again, it's nice to look ahead and then look back, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Like I, I, I can understand the question and the fear maybe of, uh, you know, are we treading water in the um you know we're a solid and competitive team now firmly rooted in mid-table and then of course the question that all football fans then want to ask is like what's next right where do we go from here um as far as i'm concerned where we go from here is in terms of movement within the table not very far i think realistically like i'd like to i think we talked about this last week i would really i'm on the same page as you call like i would really like villa to be a top to be able to say villa a top half premier league team again because it's been so damn long kind of ridiculous how long it's been. I think it's been 11 years or something like that. It's Julio, wasn't it? It was the last time. Um, so that's a bit ridiculous, really, that we've, we haven't been top half Premier League team for that long. So it would be very nice. You know, I would, it would be very, very nice to finish ninth instead of 11th, for example, this year. Um, there's nothing wrong with aiming for Europe and stuff. I don't, I think, well, I'll rephrase it. I think there's nothing, what, there's nothing wrong with aiming for Europe as long as that doesn't become anyone's expectation in any way. Fans, I, like, I don't... We can expect to be looking up at the European places and hopefully knocking on the door, but I don't think it's fair to um, place any kind of pressure on this team to actually get there this year. For me, progress is what we're seeing at the moment. Not looking over our shoulder, you know, being um, able to win every game, scoring in every game. I know Palace did it for us this this week, but if if Anderson had missed, you know, if Anderson had missed that, Watkins would have scored it. Um, we scored in every single game under Emery, um, which again is something that is just a world away from where we were four months ago, five months ago, whenever it was. Um, I just want to see more of the same, really. You know, more of this ball on the ground, play out from the back, nice triangles in midfield, defense splitting through balls, you know, like all the stuff we've seen. We saw all of that on this weekend. Um, we see all of that every week, really, because even the games that we lost, I have to say, I don't I don't actually think we played badly in any of those three defeats to Leicester or Arsenal or City. Played defended badly for sure against Leicester, but like we've said, that's kind of a teething problem, I think, with the, the the new the new system that Emery's trying to play. So, if this is what if that's what treading water is, I'm actually completely fine with that for the next few months. Um, got a, got a, Emery's first summer in front of him as well, and I think that's going to be massive. Not just transfer window, obviously, that'll be a factor bringing in more people who he thinks fit the profile. Like he clearly thinks Alex Moreno fits the profile um, of the kind of player he wants. Um, so that will be huge, but I think just as huge as having the transfer window come up will be getting a summer, you know, after the players come back from their break and report to preseason, getting a full preseason with Emery, um, go into wherever we go to play our friendlies, you know, I'm sure there'll be some kind of tour or something like there was Australia, wasn't there last year? Um, then I think once we're at that point, that's when we can start talking about real progress in terms of moving further up the table from where we are now. For now, for me, it's all about consolidation. Um, keep working on the stuff on the training ground, keep proving that this transition can work and is working. Um, And more carefree football, really. I think that's the thing. Let's not lose sight of the fact that it was only a few short months ago that we were all tearing our hair out every week. And I would dare say even starting to worry about the remainder of the season and what's happening below us in the table. We don't have to feel like that anymore. So let's just enjoy it. Yeah, and I think it's important to kind of mentioned too and really not forget that a majority of these players have played at Villa under three different managers now with Emery being the third with three different play styles Smith had wingers Gerard hated wingers and I feel like Emery wished we had a few wingers um <laughs> so 
it, it's impressive to see the transition and how quickly things have been adapted. And there's, like you've said, there's clear progress to see, even when it goes wrong at times, like against Leicester, sometimes even against Arsenal, whatever. All in all, things are improving. And we also have to remember, and it is, it, I, I don't want to emphasize the fact that it's like, well, most of these players won't be here. Um, but some won't be. Some will be either become bench players and just be, kind of become impact players here and there. Some players will be brought in to be full-time starting players to play the way Unai Emery wants to. Um, it'll be all about transition. And I, I, like you kind of mentioned there, Tom, we have to be patient with that. So it's in a weird way. It's almost like kind of enjoy the process now. These are the days where we can kind of almost... Um, I wouldn't. I don't want to say laugh at some of the the failures and the mishaps when it comes to playing out from the back and how we're still adapting to it. But it, it's a bit more of a time to be more lighthearted about it and trust in the process. Yeah, you can be annoyed about it in maybe a couple seasons if it isn't working or if it's starting to tail off or whatever. And we've had clear progress and it's dipping again. I could understand it then, but to jump on people's backs so early it's just it's so premature and again I, I think that probably more so speaks for Villa of the last decade plus yeah. and, and it hasn't been easy so it, it's learned it's like learned trauma isn't it yeah. I think really is um and that's the thing like for recent years I've I like many Villa fans have got really really annoyed with a lot of the goals we've conceded but it's because that has been like the same old Villa whereas this Okay, it's still not great to concede sloppy goals. Don't really know why we're talking about this because we haven't conceded in the last two games. <laughs> but, but, but when we do concede, you know, poor goals like the Leicester game or whatever, um, that is th- that is like a direct sort of um, part of the process of trying to improve and become a a, a better team. And mistakes are going to happen. And I think the key thing is not letting them define the performance, you know what I mean? I'm not getting too worked up about it. And it's the same, the same goes for just to bring it full circle before we end, like we're talking about going from back to front and playing out from the back. Like, I don't, I don't agree with it, but I do, I can understand why it happens where fans are getting impatient. There was so much impatience from the, from the Villa Park crowd audibly through the TV um, in the second half, particularly when we were on the ball at the back and we were playing it out and being quite patient and everything like, and I do, I don't agree with it, but I do understand where that's come from um, because I think that on on Saturday it came from the learned trauma of like, oh, Villa are a team who throw away leads, right? So like we need that second goal to kill the game off. Um, I think a little bit of patience is going to go a long way really because actually now we are a team who, okay, not every time, like we said, but we are a team who do hold on to, can hold on to leads and can close out games now. Um, and these other little pieces, you know, um, not finishing every chance and um, the occasional mistake while trying to play out from the back and that sort of stuff, they're all just a part of the process that's to be expected, I think. So uh, big staying big picture in the viewpoint, I think, is is going to be key over the next few weeks and months. Here's how I'll end this podcast. And this will be a question, Tom. You don't have to answer this. It's basically to everyone listening, essentially. I mean, I'm not saying people aren't behind Unai Emery, but with those that are moaning, would you rather this and winning 1-0 against Crystal Palace and getting a clean sheet against Everton and now with two wins on the bounce after a tough run against, um, of course, Leicester kind of ebbing and flowing throughout the season, but regardless, the top two in City and Arsenal and being competitive in those games or would you prefer the Paul Lambert days of barely beating Stoke, Hall City, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, be going to Sunderland thinking that's like the game of the season because they're in or in around us. And uh, yeah, ultimate turmoil. So keep that in mind that there were days that were even more miserable than you somehow think yesterday's 1-0 win was with playing some actually lovely stuff to, to set up an old goal. So Everything has silver lining. Everything has to be put in perspective. And uh, at the end of the day, just enjoy it. And um, yeah, life's too have, short. And if you ever find if you find yourself miserable or anything this weekend or on Monday when this goes out, look up some photos and videos of Bruno Fernandez from this weekend's game, and suddenly the world will feel right again because we can all rest easy knowing that that 
um, gentleman was thoroughly miserable this weekend. I know that I'm taking solace from that. Villa win. Miserable Bruno Fernandez. Springs on the way. Good stuff. And let's remember, you could always be a blue nose, so it could be way worse too. So let's, uh, let, let's let's keep that in there as well. We won't go into their uh, trials and tribulations, but uh, aside from that, Tom, I think that's a good place to end it. Um, I did see actually one thing, apparently Klopp after the uh, 7-0 win, of course, on Sunday, you'll hear this on Monday, um, against United. I don't know if this is an actual quote. I hope it is. Um, apparently saying crazy results, seven goals. I don't know if this kind of thing ever happened before. Uh, let's just say um, there was a time where we beat Liverpool 7-2. Um, so happy days. And uh, I will say if you're having a bad Sunday, bad Monday, any day of the week or any point in time you're listening to this, just go watch those highlights because you'll feel giddy and very happy about yourself all over again. Um, and Dean Smith was at the game yesterday. It was meant to all happen, so we'll, we'll we'll keep it at that. But anyways, of course, Tom, thank you very much for joining me. Of course, you can find him on Twitter at TD Nightingale. Find me on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 to Holt. Email the podcast, holtcast at gmail.com. Of course, check out the website, www.7500toholt.com. We'll leave it there. I'm hoping we'll have a preview pod uh, with a West Ham uh, journalist, fan, whatever, if not, maybe we'll do a Twitter spaces or something. But anyways, keep a, keep a, a, a lookout for our Twitters, um, the 7,500 to hold account as well. There'll be updates on there and what we're doing to uh, get involved. I love doing Twitter spaces. We need to do more of them. So maybe that's what we'll do. But uh, anyways, like I said, keep up with that. Um, be sure to give us a positive rating wherever you're listening to this, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, wherever you get your pods. Um, and like I said, I think a couple weeks ago, if we can get a few more of those positive reviews and a few more likes, uh, maybe we'll give away a shirt come the end of the season. I should announce this at the start, but anyways, um, I'll get good at remembering that at some point. But anyways, I'll leave it there. I'll shut up. Everyone enjoy their week and up the villa. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.